to quote the ancient Mandalorian code, this is the way. Can't go out the basketball floor and not be competitive. You better like to freaking compete. You can wake the sleeping beast uh, with a little enthusiasm, a little excitement, a little relentless energy every single day. There's the horn of Fighting Phoenix back up the University of California. Golden Bears, the Fighting Phoenix move on to round two of the NCAA tournament. The Green Bay Phoenix men's basketball team, your Horizon League champions here in 2013-14. The Green Bay Phoenix are going to the NCAA tournament. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fear the Phoenix podcast. My name is Brian Dickman. We are back, and it's safe to say Green Bay basketball is back. I hope you all had a great holiday weekend, or excuse me, holiday period, I should say. We're recording this uh, in between Christmas and New Year's, but uh, hopefully you all had a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, depending on when you're listening to this. But uh, got my guy Jim Saro here with me, like always, the star of the show. Jim, how are you doing today? I am great. Thanks for asking. It's good to be back on. And, um, you know, we had to make sure that the team wasn't, you know, hot garbage before we could record a podcast because uh, slugging <laughs> through a, a couple of uh, single digit win seasons was uh, tough work here at the Fear of the Phoenix headquarters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's fun to to talk about Green Bay basketball. Now you think about the past two or three years when we were doing these podcasts, those were uh, some not fun conversations we were having, or at least, you know, not realistic conversations that we were having occasionally when we're talking about our, our expectations and things like that. But no, the team's uh, currently sitting at six and seven. Um, I like to call it four and seven, just cause I, I hate the non D ones, but you know, that's, that's another uh, topic for another day. <laughs> In I mean, fairness, I like to call that four and five because I hate the buy game. So that's true. I mean, at, at least you're getting a paycheck for those. But um, yeah, I, I could see. Yeah, I guess you know what we're we're four and five. So, um, but yeah, the non-conference portion of the season is done. We're moving back to Horizon League play. Green Bay sits one and one in the Horizon League after a close loss at Purdue Fort Wayne to start the conference slate, and then a nice win. In the rivalry game against UWM at the Rush Center uh, in their second Horizon League game. So sitting at one and one with uh, Wright State and Robert Morris coming to town this weekend. So, but Jim, let's kind of just step back, I guess, and talk through the past two months, what we've seen. We don't have to go through game by game, but I guess when you look at the 13 games or nine games or whatever you want to call it. Let's talk about, you know, the high points, the low points. Um, I, I like to start positive always. So I, when you think about the high point 
for you, what, what's been the high point so far from the past two months? Well, when I, when I thought about my high points, I kind of looked at it on a game by game basis and not necessarily anything like big picture. So I had three uh, high points, maybe, you know, get some user commentary on these, but uh, number three in descending order, December 12th uh, at UIC, just a game that they didn't give up. I mean, they only had to lead for less than a second, but it was the most important second of the game, the last one. <laughs> Okani, three dribbles, free throws on the way. Short, no good. Rebound by Elijah Jones. Jones gives it back to Noah Reynolds. Eight seconds as Reynolds brings it across the timeline. Reynolds crossover dribble. Reynolds down the lane, off the glass. No good. Tip back is good. Elijah Jones with the offensive rebound and a putback. You know I had to fit Brian Kuklinski's call of that game winner courtesy of the Phoenix Sports Network and WDUZ Radio in here somewhere. Yeah, you know, and it was a night where you got to see Noah Reynolds at his best going for over 30 points and the team scrapping and beating a Missouri Valley team. Um, second high point was November 20th at Montana State. It had been about four years since the Phoenix had won a non-conference D1 road game. And they put that losing streak to bed 54-53 against Montana State. And that happened, I think it was, you know, the third road game of the the season or, you know, the second mid-major road game of the season. Uh, So they, you know, right away we got to see the fruits of like the labor that's happened in the last eight months. And then number one with a bullet. You know it. I don't even need to say it, but I will. December 2nd, 70-58 over UWM. Uh, beating your rival by 10 plus points, always, always a good thing. But in a year where the polls were, you know, preseason expectations were decidedly uh, in favor of Milwaukee and against Green Bay. I think they were preseason went number two in the horizon and Green Bay was 11. I mean, to get that win right away, uh, easily the highest point of the season for me. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I mean, we had the the same idea here. So, I mean, if you're going off of analytics, it's the St. Thomas game because, you know, analytically, statistically speaking, you know, that was, that was the best performance of the season so far, uh, at least according to Bart Torvik's site. And uh, St. Thomas is actually a pretty good team. So that, that was a pretty impressive win for Green Bay. Um, if you're going off of Vegas odds, it's you mentioned both of them, the UIC game and the Montana State game, uh, where they were a double-digit underdog in both of those games. But, uh, you know, <laughs> going back to that Montana State game that you were at, Green Bay kind of snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in that one, but then somehow snatched it back to to win their first non-conference road game in almost three years. So, you know, it Thank God Montana State missed that layup there <laughs> at the end of overtime. But um, I totally agree on the – if we're going with one high point so far, it's it's the UWM game. I mean, just me personally, I was there with with eight buddies that I, I went to UWGB with that um, you know, haven't really been following the team or anything like that. And just the, the atmosphere in that game, in, in the rush, it wasn't a huge crowd, but – you know, relative to, to the crowds that we've had the past few years, it was big. And, uh, you know, the crowd was into it. Um, pre-game atmosphere was great. Post-game in the bars was great. Granted, there was a, you know, Packer home game weekend helped. But, um, you know, just 
I think that's kind of like when you think about the Resch versus Kress debate, and this is kind of going off on a tangent, but like that's the environment that you know that's that's the number one reason why the Resch should be the primary venue is is environments like that pregame, postgame game environments you know it, it checked all the boxes there so um you know that that's for another conversation 40 seconds to go the rush center crowd will rise there is a new era for green bay phoenix basketball and they're about to beat the panthers here in milwaukee's conference opener corner right three goes for foster wonders to cap off this night for the Phoenix to make it 70-58. Browning misses the three. Lundy says don't foul, they won't. The rivalry is alive and well, and tonight it's painful. Green Bay will win this game by a final score of 70 to 58. So, I love that call from from Scott Warris on, on the Black and Gold Network there, the uh, the UWM radio announcer. But uh, you know, I'll be the first to admit I love to dunk on UWM and and thoroughly enjoy every time they lose a game. But uh, I, I got to give them major credit for for having all their their press conferences, uh, their coach interviews, radio highlights. You know, even their full game radio broadcasts are available to listen to. So. Um, I'm sure their fans love having that accessible and honestly kind of uh, jealous that that they're able to do that. But a few things from that call that I love. So, you know, I, I mentioned it wasn't a huge crowd, but you could just hear in that clip, like the crowd coming through, you know, Foster Wonders hits a three to, to ice it and, the, you know, the crowd erupts. And you know, I just kind of get goosebumps thinking about how awesome that was. And it's fun to hear, like, your rival's losing radio call of of those final moments there so uh he had a quote there that said there's a new era of green bay phoenix basketball kind of going back to what you mentioned earlier how green bay is picked last um uwm was picked second but i think already green bay has kind of you know started to put people on notice that you know this isn't the, the same old green bay team and then just the last thing i love about that call is how he says the rivalry is alive and well, and you know Green Bay's won two straight. That game last year, obviously at Milwaukee, will will live on forever. But uh, you know this one at the beginning of December was was pretty great too. So yeah, just I'll, I'll, it's nice having multiple high points to choose from so far. At, you know, just two months into the season. So you know, as far as low points though, what what do you think? Hopefully we don't go any lower than what we've got already. But you know what? For you, what has been the low point of the season? Yeah, I, I really had two, and, and unfortunately for the Phoenix, they came immediately after the high point of the season. Um, they go down on December sixth to SIUE and lose seventy-eight sixty-nine in a game where they just got outplayed. I mean, you know, maybe they had a little bit of a hangover from the crowd and the hype and the excitement and. Um, you know, just got outplayed. And then they followed that up three days later on December 9th with a 68-59 loss to Western Illinois in a game where not only did they get outplayed, uh, Western looked significantly more athletic in particular in the uh, in the middle. Uh, that one guy, Cisse, uh, I think was his last name. I mean, he, he was everywhere. He was dunking, blocking, rebounding. And I was just looking at that going, man, 
if they can get a dude like that to Macomb, Illinois, <laughs> there's got to be hope for the Phoenix. But uh, credit to them. He, he played out of his mind. But to back up the best moment of the season with two losses that, you know, quite frankly, if you were looking ahead, you should never look ahead. But as fans, that's what we do. And on podcasts, that's what we do. I would have circled those as W's on day one of the season. Uh, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, it, it, it's obviously those two. Like you said, coming off of that high, it, it made those lows even worse, I think. But yeah, just kind of got caught maybe, uh, you know, believing in themselves a little too much, I guess. Uh, you know, thinking thinking they're a little bit better than, than maybe they are in those two games. But um, the nice thing was, you know, the, after that Western Illinois loss, I know I personally was thinking like, oh, God, now we have to go to UIC and then we go to Oklahoma. So, like, it's not going to get any better from here. Um, is this the start of, you know, like a spiral almost just because of what we've been conditioned to over these past couple of years? And um, they followed it up with, with that UIC victory. So, yeah, I, I don't want to spend too much time on these low points because I, I think it's pretty obvious that these – you know that that little two-game stretch there was hopefully a blip on the radar, but yeah, I guess we'll see how they look uh, now that we're heading back into conference play. Well, and sadly, Brian, we are quasi-experts at discussing low points of uh, college basketball seasons, yeah. and so that's no fun. Because <laughs> to your greater point about the new era of Green Bay basketball, it's something I wrote in the Horizon League uh, uh, preview or Horizon Roundtable preview, excuse me, about Green Bay is the blip in the radar was the last three seasons. This is not a, a crappy program. This is a program with a lot of bones and a lot of infrastructure. And so I look at it as more of a return to normal as opposed to like building up and rising up. Like this is just getting back to, you know, at six and seven uh, overall, this was getting back to the baseline of what the program has always been. Um, yeah. So those are our highs and our lows so far. Like I mentioned at the top, uh, hopefully we've got a bunch more high points and no more low points. You know, let's let's keep this thing on an upward trajectory. So Jim, this is kind of a a general question, I guess, but you know, seeing how they've already doubled their win total from last year and we're only two months into the season, why is it that they are are you know so much better than they were last year? Is, is there something that like in your opinion, what are the major factors that's leading to this resurrection of the program? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple. I mean, you know, step number one is it's coach speak except until you actually do it and live it. But the connectivity of the players, the connectivity, the culture that they have built, the, you know, trying to play for each other. I mean, you see it with uh, Noah Reynolds is an unstoppable scorer but he also has on the season 60 assist and you know a positive assist to turnover ratio um because he's willing to share the ball a really simple example of something that you know speaks to why i think they're a little bit better um oklahoma tried to back screen or drop coverage on defense and like noah called it out right away switched and stopped a you know an easy score from happening um grand they you know they gave up a lot of points to a very good oklahoma team but there are examples like that where you know, they are playing together and they have that connected culture. Um, that's one reason. Second reason, this this game is about having, I always say, you got to have a dude or two, maybe three. You know, uh, we have a dude. Uh, Noah Reynolds is a dude. You know, he's a guy that's going to get you a bucket. Um, just 
a force of nature. He's 48% shooting 17 points per game and unstoppable going to the rim either direction, finishing with either hand. Uh, just a really great player. And, uh, you know, and along the lines of, I said, you need a dude or two. They don't necessarily have the second dude all the time, but you have a lot of guys rotating through. You can, you know, the number of times Elijah Jones or David Douglas, um, you know, have had a good game or you talked about the UWM game. Foster Wonders was big in that game. Uh, there've been some moments for you, know, even some other guys, Marcus Hall's had a couple of really nice games. Uh, Amari Judkins had, you know, a couple of moments, you know, I, f- I forget what game where he was just driving to the hoop and, you know, laying it up on guys, but like <laughs> they've got the next man up mentality. So I kind of see those three factors as the big reason for the uh, stark turnaround and the quick turnaround. What are you seeing out there, Ryan? Yeah, when you think about, you know, during interviews, and, and Sonny's done a lot of interviews, but how often has he talked about having guys that create gravity? So, you know, guys that are going to draw the defense, create attention. Uh, they didn't really have that too much last year, and it kind of just led to, you know, passing the ball around the perimeter, settling for bad shots. It, it, at least that's what I remember. You know, I'm trying to black out these last two to three years. But uh, yeah, when you have a guy like Noah Reynolds that is, you know, drawing all this def- defensive attention, um, he can drive it, kick it to some guys who are actually going to knock down shots. Or, you know, it, it's incredible how he can just get to the rim and finish. You know, pretty much whenever he wants to. It, it seems like. You know, I think about him going for 31 in that UIC game, and he was just like unstoppable. Pop quiz here for you, Jim, real quick. So let me hit the music here. When was the last time a Green Bay player scored 30 points? And who was that player? Scored at least 30 in a game. Ooh, that is... (laughs) Cam Hankerson. How'd I do? That's... (laughs) <laughs> you are not correct. It actually happened twice during the Will Ryan era, if that gives you oh. a, a hint. Amari Davis. That's not it either. Oh. It is PJ Pipes. <laughs> PJ Pipes uh, went for 30 on January 2nd, 2021 against Youngstown State, which is um, ironically the last time Green Bay beat Youngstown State. So, um yeah, Mari Davis did that actually a couple games before him. Uh, so those are the two that did it during the Will Ryan era. Happened 13 times during the Link Darner era, which obviously uh, understandable with, with the tempo they played. But yeah, it was actually uh, your guy, PJ Pipes, was the last to do it before Noah Reynolds. PJ Pipes' dad, if he listens to this, is going to be sending me a text message and giving me complete hell about not knowing the answer to that one. But I was stuck in that Cam Hankerson. Remember the Horizon League tournament in Detroit? Cam Hankerson hit like seven threes against Detroit Mercy. That's what I was stuck with. Like, yeah. So I'm like, he's yep. going to try to come up with something crazy here. And I was like, I got it. I got the answer. <laughs> and then I just overlooked the two uh, obvious answers. Yeah. My bad. Yep. No, you're good. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for me, I think a lot of it, a lot of them being better has been on the defensive side. Obviously, they've, They've uh, rebounded their opponents a lot. They're playing better defense. It's not, I don't think Sonny would tell you it's uh, where they want it to be yet. But I think back to, <clears throat> excuse me, when we when we talked to him back in August, you know, they were, he was saying that they basically spent 
all of their summer working on their defensive fundamentals and principles and things like that. So um, kind of like you said, just that connectivity, you know, talking how they they're helping, how they're switching and things like that. So. Yeah. Well, and along those lines, like the advanced metrics don't look very favorable for Green Bay's defense currently, but you do you have a small sample size in, in, in terms of uh, 11 games. Two of those games, they got absolutely run over by really good Big 12 teams. So I think the defense is better than the metrics. Like it passes the eye test. They're playing hard. They are communicating on defense. And they've had a lot of games like you think about. Yeah, Valparaiso, 64 points allowed. Montana State, 53. Riverside was 74 points, but they had a lot of free throws at the end of that one. St. Thomas, 51 points. Uh, Milwaukee, 58 points. Um, lost their way against those uh, Illinois teams. But at the end of the day, like I, I actually think their defense is uh, not not too shabby. And it's one of those things that that's what they focus on. And that is going to be their calling card. And um, I think coming back into league play here, where they're going to have they have time to prepare for everybody. They get to play everybody twice. I think you're going to see uh, the defense really come home for them uh, in league play. Yeah, you think about, you know, what's the team's identity? I don't think there's any question that this team's identity is on the defensive end. Whereas if you would have asked that question last year, just to kind of go back to the differences of, of be- between this year and, and the last couple of years, like I don't know if those teams really had an identity or at least an identity that you could say without you know, being positive. <laughs> so, but yeah, the, the main takeaway here is, is they're better. They're a lot better. And um, yeah, there's, there's a host of reasons for that, but it's, it's refreshing for sure. So moving along here, Jim, so you kind of listed off some guys already, but is there a player that you've been most impressed with? I know that that's one of the things with having a complete rebuild and in, you know, 12 or 13 new guys coming in is, is you don't really know what you have and quite a few of these guys have been pretty impressive so far. So I'm just kind of curious, has there been a player that you've been most impressed with so far? Well, coming into it, I mean, I had the benefit of seeing them practice in the summertime uh, a couple times. So, and uh, also watched a lot of uh, YouTube clips on all the different players. So I was kind of expecting Noah to be doing what Noah does. So I'm super impressed with Noah, but I, thought what we see is what I was expecting. Uh, same thing, Elijah Jones, super impressed with Elijah Jones. You're, you're talking about a guy that's averaging nine points and seven rebounds, but that's also what I was expecting. You know, I, and I wrote about that in the rise and round to table preview. These were guys that were going to be big pieces. So the guy I'm actually most impressed with that, you know, big surprise in a positive way. I did a positive, uh, uh, surprise. I kind of did a, you know, one, I'm a little, uh, Surprise isn't as good as well. We'll get to that one in a second. But the guy I'm most uh, surprised by is David Douglas Jr. You're talking about a true freshman that was playing, um, you know, smaller level high school basketball at this time a year ago. Has great size, great athletic ability, very smooth, can do a lot of things on the court. And now we've seen him get a little experience and score double uh, double digits four straight games. And so from a standpoint of he was somebody you thought might be in the rotation, but he's really asserting himself as somebody who's going to be a fixture for this program for the rest of the season and three more beyond it. Uh, what about you? Who are you most surprised by? Yeah, I, I had a couple. I put Marcus Hall just because coming in as a true freshman 
and just getting thrown into the starting lineup, you know, right away uh, in that Iowa State game and and him kind of holding his own in there. You know, I, I've been impressed with him. Uh, he's not really filling up the stat sheet, but he does a whole bunch of little things, plays really hard. And most importantly, it sounds like he has the, the trust of, of Sonny. So I've been impressed with him. CC, I've been impressed with Clarence Cummings on his his uh, return. He's looked pretty good so far um, since he came back to the team. I like Foster Wonders shooting 37.5% from three, you know, ticking up his average from uh, a season ago when he was playing in the MVC. He's been a, a reliable shooter. And then uh, another guy that you touched on was Amari Judkins. Um, now, granted, I, I didn't really have a, a whole bunch of uh, expectations for him, t- if I'm being honest, um, just because, um, you know, not a really heralded recruit. He he redshirted last year, and uh, I wasn't really sure what we were getting with him, and, and he's been, you know, playing really hard and bummed to see that he's going to be out for a couple of weeks, sounds like, uh, according to the Press Gazette here. But, um, yeah, I think I think those guys have been – Super impressive. Uh, you touched on Noah Reynolds. Obviously, he's you know one of the best players in the league. So that's you know I expected him to be good. I don't know if I expected him to be like player of the year conversation good. So, but yeah, we we've got some dudes for sure. So one more pop quiz for you here, Jim. <laughs> so I know most people are familiar with the the plus minus stat and not everybody loves it um i don't think it's it's the gospel or anything like that but it's it's kind of a interesting stat i'll say so essentially how many points the team scores while the players on the court minus how many points they get scored or the other team scores while they're on the court so if you take away the non-d1 games and the buy games just so just the the mid-major games here who do you think has the best plus minus on the team so far this year it's not Noah Reynolds <laughs> that'll be my hint I would say Elijah Jones it's Will Eames I did not expect that but hmm. um, so maybe that tells you you know that it's not a reliable stat but I just thought that was kind of an interesting stat that another guy that kind of um, you know does the, the dirty work um, doesn't really fill up the box score but just that veteran guy that again coach trusts because he's known him for for five years now and yeah I just thought that was a, an interesting one well and will is yeah. um, you know I think still hobbled by that ankle sprain a little bit and but he's a very very good rebounder he's just a feisty kind of player and he's made a number of like he hasn't made a lot of shots he hasn't taken a lot of shots for that matter but he's made some really big ones you know and some really difficult ones with the clock winding down um yeah i'm surprised by that but he's kind of been featured a little bit more like in the uic game they played him a lot more um you know amari didn't play in that game i think rich only played a couple minutes and and him and marcus played a lot more (laughs) in the middle of the net game so yeah i guess i can I, I am surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. Your guy, David Douglas, is second, <laughs> by the way. So, yeah, if, I think what surprises the only one that, you know, I, I, one guy I had super high expectations for uh, was Rich Byrie. And Rich has been good. Um, but I would like, I'll be honest, I voted in the Horizon Roundtable poll for a preseason team. I had him 
second team all conference. So at, at uh, five and three, I've been shooting 29% from deep. I, I got some work to do on the, uh, to get, get him there. But the thing is like when he's plugged in and like really, you know, believing in himself, uh, he's a really good three point shooter and such a good compliment to Noah Reynolds. I mean, the threat of uh, rich helps Noah get to the hoop. And then if you actually have him, making the shots that he's capable of. And, and I think going to make here coming down the com- conference stretch, uh, they're, they're just a really good, you know, one, two punch on offense. So hopefully rich, uh, you know, just starts knocking those shots down again. He kind of goes a little streaky and, uh, but that's a guy that I was expecting a, a major offensive output from because as a pick and pop player, he's perfect to compliment uh, Noah Reynolds. So hopefully he gets that, uh, gets that going here in the, um, second half of the season yeah and um, they're already kind of thin at, at that big man spot and now with Jedkins missing more time or missing some time I should say um, Rich is going to be playing potentially even more so yeah like, like you said let's let's get some shots going in here so like I said uh, everybody's getting back into conference play now Cleveland State and Oakland. We're recording this Thursday night. They wrapped up, and Cleveland State won that one. Um, so we're starting to see that Oakland slide already, perhaps. But uh, just kind of curious, Jim. Overall, you know, what, what have your impressions of the Horizon League been so far uh, here in the first two months? I know for me, I had thought NKU was kind of the team to beat with Wright State there as well. I know the uh, the injury to Sam Vincent probably changes that, but um, definitely did not have Purdue Fort Wayne as a contender. Um, you know, Youngstown obviously might be the team to beat at the moment, but just kind of curious on what you've seen so far over these these past two months. Yeah, I mean, I everybody kind of talked about every preview, every podcast, every person you know talking about the league kind of said there was a clear top five. And I think right now, um, given the Vincent injury, I mean, I feel like Northern Kentucky was having a hard time replacing Chris Brandon to begin with. You know, they've got multiple guys that may have been capable, but weren't really, you know, they they just weren't Chris Brandon. And then you lose Sam Vincent. I think that's going to knock them down a, a peg. So I think right now you're looking at a clear top four of uh, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Wright State, Cleveland State, and Youngstown State. And when I think about each of those teams, you think about what you have going on, you know, Youngstown State is a team with a lot of new faces. You know, they went in the portal, got a bunch of guys and they're coming together. But I think that that is the most potent team uh, on both ends of that group. I think that they're going to play better defense in Wright State and Purdue Fort Wayne. Cleveland State's a better a better defensive team, but I don't think it's potent offensively. Um, Wright State, just a you know, really great offensive team that I don't know if they're disinterested in defense or what their situation is, but they don't play a whole lot of defense. Uh, Fort Wayne, same way, you know, high octane offense, those guards, Bellow and Jackson. Um, that's a, that those guys are a ton. And uh, Cleveland state is pretty much like the one team that's as expected, like their offenses, you know, relatively balanced, their defense is their calling card. Uh, but yeah, those are probably my top four, uh, right now, you know, that you'd say, hey, with uh, with uh, 18 conference games left to go, these are the guys that are playing for the championship on paper. My top four, I have Youngstown, number one, uh, Wright State, number two, 
Cleveland State number three, and I still had Northern Kentucky in the top four just because I I you know, I like their program. I think Darren Horn's a really good coach. I think they'll figure something out, you know, at least to to stay in that top four. When I look at Purdue Fort Wayne, you know, they haven't really played anybody. Uh, you know, they beat DePaul, but a lot of people have beaten DePaul. So, you know, maybe maybe just a hater on that front, but. For Green Bay's sake, I hope that they are one of the better teams in the league just because, you know, Green Bay kind of had that measuring stick game in Fort Wayne in the uh, conference opener. And if, if if Fort Wayne truly is one of the best teams in the league, then, you know, just by association, that means Green Bay is, is one of the better teams in the league. So, um, Well, and, and think about yeah. that game, too. Like, they had down two, had Noah with the ball in his hands, and he trips and turns the ball over but if you look at the play setup they had rich byrie one pass away for three and foster completely open in the corner for a three if rich doesn't take it like uh they were going for the for the w on the road there and had two of their you know on paper better three-point shooters uh wide open ready to to uh win that game so yeah I, i can i see where you're coming from in that but then i also think you know Winning teams figure out a way to win, and they've won what, however many games they've won eleven games or whatever they, you know, they they have a lot of wins. I know that. Yep. Um, you know, my next tier, I actually have Green Bay, Oakland, and Northern Kentucky in my next tier within the league. Uh, Green Bay is has a dominant offensive player, has a really good rebounding team, gonna play defense. They're a good counterbalance to the Fort Wayne's and the right states of the world. <laughs> so I, I kind of like that. Northern Kentucky, I mean, Vincent, you you can't – in my world, you can't lose one of the three or four best players in the league and still be one of the best teams. Like, you know, they're going to be good. They're not going to be an easy out, but that's, just, that's a big loss. And Oakland, you talked about the Oakland slide. I, I've watched a couple of the Oakland games. Like, it, it's really – like. Oakland is a team that I don't think has an identity. And I mean that as a program, like, you know, some years they're playing super up tempo, and then the next year they got two big guys. So they're, you know, playing, you know, two big guys in the post, like a Brad Brechting and Xavier Hill Mays in the post. And then, you know, then they're back to, I got Jalen Moore and they're, you know, running and gunning, but they only play like six or seven dudes. They play all those bye games or they, you know, they, they got one this year that they beat Xavier, I think. They never back that up with anything. They have no point guard play at all. So they have like, I think I read something like, or heard something. They have like 65 set plays, 35 of them run through Trey Townsend. And uh, their best play is high, low action with Townsend and Chris Conway. But they have no ability to break the defensive shell. Uh, That's a team that's not going to like win a lot, but they're not going to lose a lot either because that's what Greg Campy does. He just like, he's content to be in the middle. Uh, so that's the tier that I've got uh, next. Uh, do you have a second kind of tier of teams, Brian? Yeah. So, yeah, my next, uh, I had Purdue Fort Wayne fifth. I had Green Bay slotted in at number six. So I'll fully admit um, I was a coward to do, like not wanting to do preseason predictions. And you really wanted to do them, but I did not. <laughs> but now, you know, now that I see hey we're, we're all right here you know i'm, I'm gonna slot green bay in at six uh, i had oakland seven and then uh, milwaukee at eight which i don't think there's any question that uwm has been the most disappointing team so far especially 
we've we already mentioned a couple times, but they were picked second, and they have not looked good really at all. So um, not too mad about it, but uh, I, I think they'll finish eighth just because the bottom of the league is so so bad. They're they're just better than those teams by default. But um, yeah. Man really disappointed with uh, milwaukee this season i i couldn't put milwaukee in that second tier even though i think that you know obviously the chattanooga win that they got was really a, a nice bounce back after they dismissed markeith browning from the team but at the end of the day i last i checked the uh 70 58 win says they're not on the same level of green bay you, you want to be on that level you got to prove it and yeah i'm purposely <laughs> talking a little smack because you and i uh have endured Plenty of Milwaukee smack the last uh, year and a half, so you know it's got to like pour a little salt in that wound for now. Um, yeah. But yeah, especially I think you that gonna, with your uh, yeah. your giving goes, they love to to talk smack to you, you man. They're just jealous because they didn't think of it first. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> but I have uh, Robert Morris behind Milwaukee. You know they don't really have a ton of depth, and like if they're playing horseshoes, they'd be great because you know close. Close is good, but, uh, you know, they get close in a lot of games, but they don't actually get over the hump. Hopefully that trend continues this weekend on New Year's Eve when they come to Green Bay. Uh, it's not that they're not, you know, don't have some talent because they do. Uh, it's just that they don't seem to have enough enough depth and, a, a, you know, a system or, a, a, you know, whatever it might be. There's something missing where they, they lose a lot of games that they're in and then just kind of slide apart. And then the bottom of the league, you kind of alluded to it. Uh, big disappointments. I mean, honestly, even though nobody picked IUPUI or Detroit Mercy to be high, I don't think anybody expected them to be this bad again. Like the Horizon League, for the love of all things in basketball, Horizon League, stop having two of the ten worst teams in in the country. <laughs> like you, yeah. you know, when you rate the conference because the conference has expanded. You know, it used to be eight teams and it was ten, it was nine, and it was ten again. Now it's eleven. But when you know two of your eleven teams, and Green Bay was contributing to this the last couple of years, so I'm not like saying we're not, you know, haven't, haven't been part of the problem. But at the end of the day, like you can't have two of the ten worst teams in the country. Um, I mean, I didn't expect either of these teams to be good, uh, but they're abysmal, both of them, just absolutely abysmal. And, and Detroit Mercy, like I watched a couple of Mercy games, the the style of offense that they play, I mean, it, like they're just shooting a boatload of floaters in the lane like the hardest one of the hardest shots to make with one of the lowest analytical values assigned to it like knock that crap off win a game win a damn game come on now yeah so while somebody's gonna win one on uh, on saturday with ipui and detroit mercy going at it so we'll, we'll see what happens there um but yeah green bay also in action Saturday, and then excuse me on Friday. We're recording this Thursday. My, I'm all messed up here. I haven't had work all week, so. Um, but yeah, we're playing Friday at noon at the Rush Center against Rice State, and then Sunday at noon against Robert Morris. Um, any predictions, Jim? Do we want to do that, or what? Do you, how you how you feeling about this weekend? I mean, every game's hard. There are no gimmies, even though I just ripped on IUPUI and Detroit Mercy. Like when it comes time to play them, it's not going to be a layup. I, you know, I ripped on Oakland with no point guard play. These teams all still have some players. They still, you know, have some pride. 
you know, in, in trying to win a game. So there's nothing easy. Obviously, playing Wright State, they are an offensive juggernaut. You have four guys, um, you know, that are scoring in double digits for their team. Two guys that are probably two of the five best players in the league. Uh, a guy, uh, Noel, who... You know, what, what were we kidding around about this week? He had a double double and half of the first half last year. It took like 10 <laughs> minutes for him to annihilate Green Bay last year. Uh, I think the rim yeah. still shakes, you know, from all the dunks that he had. Like, <laughs> this is a tough team. Uh, AJ Braun is another, you know, he's a like 10 and 7 guy. He's just quietly gotten a little bit better. And then you have, you know, pieces on their team like Wellage and Hubrix who are perfect to space the court for those, you know, main star players. So this is going to be a tough, ta- uh, tough task for the Phoenix. You really got to contain. If you want to do anything um, against them, you have to contain the ball, you know, off the dribble because Calvin puts so much pressure on the rim and it collapses everything for the other players. So um, you got to see which of Green Bay's guards is going to come in there ready to play, ready to guard. Uh, but this is also a team that doesn't play defense. So if, if you, you can, if you can slow their offense down, you've got a chance to score against them. And Robert Morris, I mean, at the end of the day, um, last year's Robert Morris game, we were there. You were sitting, I believe, sitting right next to me at that Robert Morris game, and we we saw a dunk at the end of the half. That was a non-dunk that went careening off the rim. I'm pretty sure, and uh, just uh, that was, I believe, that was Coach Ryan's last game with the Phoenix. You know, it's just like. It, it, this has to be a win. If, if, when you're righting the wrongs of previous uh, seasons, this is one that has to be a win. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just got flashbacks from that uh, <laughs> horrible, horrible second half of that Robert Morris game. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you. Wright State will be a challenge. It, it's interesting. They like to play really fast and in the games that they've played against an opponent who likes to slow it down a little bit. So like Toledo or like a Davidson, um, they lost both those games. Um, so, you know, if Green Bay can play at their, their more deliberate tempo, um, you know, that that's probably how it's going to have to be in order to win this one. Just like you said, to limit those offensive chances for their, um, their explosive offense. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good one. Uh, Green Bay has five of their next six after these two games these two at home, but then five of the next six are on the road. So get over to the rush center this weekend. Yeah. Jim, anything else? It, it's good to be, be talking hoops again, but anything else before we get out of here? Well, you don't want to look too far ahead, but I believe three of those next five uh, road games, include IUPUI, Detroit Mercy and Oakland. So at least there's some that you can, you know, look at and say, those are competitive games if not ones you hope to win but we gotta take it one game at a time we'll get through right state and worry about those other games later i got uh, three quick shout outs though uh to end the podcast uh one is not related to green bay men's basketball but shout out to coach kevin borseth on 800 career victories uh the women's yep, juggernaut continue yep they continue to uh roll on congratulations to him but uh, he would be the first to tell you you don't do it without players. And so, you know, congrats to all the players that helped build that. Uh, the players only get to play for up to four years, but, uh, you know, he's been at it for, you know, a lot longer than that. But that's pretty awesome. Second shout out. This is something that's, you know, you and I near and dear to our heart. The uh, 362 net, uh, YouTube documentary and all of the social media content that has been produced by uh, on behalf of Green Bay Athletics this year for men's basketball. It's just like 
Oh, perfection. Yes. It's, uh, I can't it's wait really for the great. next episode. Release it. I, I, I've been wondering, like, where is it? I'm ready. Like, it's been yeah. a couple of weeks. Like, let's go. Um, but I, I share that as um, it really, you think about the team is turning the corner and then you've got this cool documentary series going and all the clips that they release along the way. Um, just re- in today's world, it takes more than just winning. And I think that they're going to capitalize on the winning that they're doing and the winning I expect them to do. And then you have this awesome content series behind it. Um, really just put, for the people putting it together. Uh, really proud of that. Really cool. And then the last one I have in today's college basketball world, um, you know, NIL is part of the landscape. Green Bay has had a nil collective operating for a year. However, over the last month, they have uh, rolled out a membership program. I implore all people who care about Green Bay Phoenix men's basketball to become a member of the Nil Collective. This is the number one way that we as fans, besides getting drunk and rowdy, or at least rowdy at the game, or at least drunk, one of the two, whatever, um, (laughs) besides getting crazy at the game and supporting the team in person, it's 2023, almost 2024. This is part of how college sports work. So we have to all ask ourselves, do we want to be part of college sports and how they work in this world? And do we want to have a winning team? And do we want to do our part? And so they have a membership program, I believe, starts at $250 a year. That may not, um, on one hand, it might be a lot for some. For another hand, people might say it's not that much. But here's the thing. You get 100 people at $250, you've got 25 grand. That goes a long way at the mid-major level to, you know, fielding a competitive men's basketball team. Uh, if you have, you know, 200 people, we're talking 50 grand. Plus, then they have other people who are donating at larger levels. So, like, anybody who wants to get involved, I believe that is the Fly with the Phoenix Nil Collective membership, membership, membership. This is our chance to, you know, put our stake in the ground and say the guys are doing their thing. The coaching staff is doing their thing. The athletic department is helping do its part now as fans we have to you know step in and do our part so uh, that's my last one i love it as usual you're always bringing the heat great shout out to to end the pod here i'll say for me um on our drive to Ames for the for the season opener or maybe it was the way home i don't even remember anymore but um i think i had eight wins penciled in on the calendar or on the schedule and we're already at six so i mean Let's keep it rolling. Let's 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 double my, my initial prediction. Let's let's go. To, let's get 16 wins. Let's get 20 wins. <laughs> let's keep it rolling. But uh, yeah, it's it's great to be positive. Every everybody needs to get back on the bandwagon. Let's keep this thing going. And yeah, can't can't wait for for these next couple of games here at home. And then uh, we'll see how the ca- calendar uh, when it flips to January. Let's let's see how it looks. So. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Fear the Phoenix podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you give Jim Saro a follow on Twitter, at Jim Saro. You can follow me if you want, at Brian Dickman. And be sure to follow at Fear the Phoenix as well. I'm trying to write a little bit more. So I appreciate people pestering me about writing and, and doing these podcasts and things like that. So, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Hopefully we'll see you at the Rush this weekend. But uh, if not... Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you soon.